0: BELL <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Humans Are Interesting. My name is Namas, and I'm here as always with my brother Scientific. What up? Uh, Today's episode is called A Day in the Life. Uh, We wanted to hear about some of the experiences in the sex industry and and what events lead to that life and what things um, keep someone there. Um, So I brought in my friend Jamie Johnson, who is formerly a part of the sex industry, and just to have her kind of share some of her story with us and um, explain to us some of the issues someone faces in that life.
1: All right, well, thanks for having me. And um, I'm Jamie, and I was a part of the sex industry for on and off for six and a half years. Um, I got involved probably, you know, if you talk to girls that have been in that life, you probably find a lot of similarities. Um, I was uh, molested when I was younger, like six, and the impact came later in my early 20s. I was married, I was a young, new mom, teenage mom, fresh out of high school. And I was going through a separation, so I was very vulnerable emotionally. Um, my husband actually was in a, a homosexual relationship, so now I understand that that played a big part in my insecurities. And so Got you. with that, I kind of rebelled in a lot of ways and kind of felt like I owed it to myself to be you know, out at the clubs and doing what I felt everybody else was doing. And so yeah. I went to a, a club, regular club downtown. I think it was... Um, Decos or something like I don't know back in the day. (laughs) Something like that. You know, one of those clubs. Ice
0: House. (laughs) It was an Ice House. (laughs) You went to the Ice House. I used to go to Ice House
1: Fusion. (laughs) Ice House. Yeah. I used to go there. That was a spot though. You have your parents drop you off like down the block like so nobody (laughs) see. Okay. I, can ask, I only went once.
2: <laughs> I only went one time. Back in a day.
1: And I was that used done. to be my spot. <laughs> but anyway, so um, I was at the club and um, I had seen Pretty Woman <laughs> and I had no idea like about the game or like that lifestyle, like pimps and, you know, prostitutes. I didn't have any idea about it. I was dancing, drinking, and I kind of just decided I wanted to be Ratchet that night and like Find a guy to hook up. I had never done that before. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and then forget about it tomorrow. The guy that I met was not the right one to do that with. He ended up being a pimp. It just spiraled. I guess in the midst of me being vulnerable and being kind of intoxicated, I had let him know I was struggling financially. I was a single mom. I had let him know where I lived, apparently. Like Mm. just all kinds of stuff that, you know, when you're drunk or, you know, under the influence, you kind of just talk. and You don't really, you know, think about the consequences. And I definitely wasn't thinking about the consequences because I didn't know that that was like an option. So when he contacted me the next day, he said something about, you know, well, I really like you and I think we can really build together, kind of like a Romeo type of trying to sweep me off my feet. And he basically was just like, but we have to like get our money up. And so I thought he wanted me to like deal drugs or something like that. Like I didn't even think about prostitution so I, you know, I I got offended and I told him not to contact me ever again. But then as the week passed and our food started running low and, you know, I was out of a job. My husband at the time was MIA. Like my kids were, we were, we were struggling. Gotcha. I thought about that conversation we had and he, you know, him saying, well, I could make sure you get a thousand dollars a day and it'll all go to your kids and we'll be good. Like we'll be living in a nice house, nice car. And I I fell into that, and so I contacted him, and it went from there. He, or sorry, I picked him up, which should have been the first line. Like you don't even have a car, like
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, but <laughs> whatever. Um, So I picked him up, and he took me to El Cajon Boulevard, and um, the story starts there. Like he gave me some condoms, he told me don't take anything less than a hundred dollars, and I still really wasn't sure what I was supposed to do like he said don't talk to black guys get in the car if it's a Mexican or a white guy and do what he asks as long as he gives you a hundred dollars when I refused I saw his switch turn like he went from trying to finesse me to where he already realized that he had me and he started using threats he had already known where I live like I said he knew I had kids and he was like well you don't do what I say it's gonna be bad consequences gotcha. I got robbed that night um by some girls and their pimp. Now that I've been out away from him for a while, I realized that he set that up so that I was indebted to him. Um, so I owed gotcha. him. I owed him money. Um, and it went from there. Six years. I've been involved with pretty much every aspect of the sex industry, you know, possible. Which. You know, like I was telling you earlier, it includes porn, the strip club, webcams, anything that, that you're going to be able to profit off, off of your body and sexual acts.
0: Like the, six years is a, is a pretty good amount of time. So do you feel like being indebted to him was a big part of why you stayed around or did you start to make good money and, and, and that kept you around? Or what what do you feel like was the some of the main things that kind of uh, kept you present in that?
1: Mm hmm. Um, At first, I mean, the the first and foremost feeling I know that I did feel was fear. I mean, I didn't know this person. And when you kind of see somebody switch, click, and you don't know what they're capable of. Yeah. And you have kids involved in the situation. Like, your first instinct is going to be to protect your kids and your family.
0: Because he knows where you live.
1: I had heard stories of, you know, abusive people and stuff like that. So, I didn't really know what I had got myself into. And then the next thing was shame. Like, as soon as you... Like, for me, as soon as I turned that first date, I was a completely, like, different person. Like, I I really felt like this is what I'm going to be from now on. Like, you kind of... Your your worth goes down, you know. Complete like shift in my whole like spirit. And then the big thing that kept me too so long was like the acceptance. Like he was feeding me this stuff of like I'm the only one that's gonna love you. Like you're a prostitute. Like you're like, I'm the only uh, only a pimp can love a prostitute. When you're vulnerable like that, you know, you start listening to those things and you believe them. Then you get comfortable and you get content and you you're okay with it. Like the first time you do it, it's hard. By the 20th time, you're like trying to figure out how to be better at it. Like, okay, well I made this amount of money. Like, let me see how I can make more money. And so it became normal to me, and I started being really for for my own just security and for me to be able to cope with what I was doing, I told myself it was okay. And so even when he was out of the picture, I was doing it on my own and that was the way for me to tell myself like this it, it's okay it's normal like right. I'm getting money like these girls are I was justifying it like you right. empowered
0: yourself that way pretty
1: much and that I think that was a huge like survival survival tactic I mean I wouldn't have been able to to cope with a lot of things if I didn't look at it that way which I, I know now was wrong, but
2: we're looking at just some of the some stats on uh, life in the sex industry, and I was surprised to find out that um, the U.S. Department of Health reports that the average age people get caught in that is like 15, 16. Did you see a lot of young? girls out there.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's it's a big guilt thing that I deal with still to this day. I mean, people that are listening, they may not be familiar with certain terms, but um, I was basically the bottom girl, um, which is the pimp's main girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to be the recruiter. So, I mean, he doesn't want all the jail time, so he's going to send me in to go kind of finesse the girls and, and recruit them. And unfortunately, a lot of them were 15, 16 I didn't know it at that time, but yeah, it's definitely, they were out there, especially when we were, I was on the streets. I would see girls, I met one girl that was 12 and it was just like, at that time I was numb already. Like at that time you're in like a fight or flight thing, you know, like you Mm -hmm. don't care about other people's feelings, but I was still human. Like, I'm like, man, she was out there 12 years old, you know, parents kicked her out for whatever reason. And this, this trafficker found her and threw her on the streets. And I'm just like... 12, like, man, I was in seventh, eighth grade, like trying to go to a school dance. Like I wasn't, you know, it's sad. And unfortunately, uh, sorry, not Oceanside, but San Diego has a huge foster system and the traffickers literally go to the foster home and pick the kids up from the foster home and take them, make them go work and then drop them back off.
0: So when we normally hear this word or this phrase, uh, human trafficking or trafficker, um, I think most people naturally have a, a certain visual in their head. We talked earlier off uh, off mic about how when you hear uh, sex trafficking, you think of like uh, Southeast Asia, like a, or the a girl taking. Or the movie, yeah, <laughs> movie taken. Yeah. Or the movie taken. In some of the more known examples, we see this uh, this physical bondage. You know, maybe you whether it's sex trafficking or, or not any kind of human trafficking. Maybe you you do dishes in a kitchen at a restaurant mm-hmm. and they chain you up at night and you sleep there. Can you talk to us a little bit about how when you talk about trafficking, I know you use it in more of a broad sense, and and you've talked about how there's there's other ways of bondage that aren't mm-hmm. physical in that in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think worse than physical is mental bondage. And that is completely true. Like you think of human trafficking and I mean, you Google human trafficking and the first images that come up are going to be girls in chains and, you know, like the media has given to us. And like I was emotional, I was emotionally attached. I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to feel like I had some type of purpose. And so I let myself get mentally Bonded to this person's abusive words or tactics, like they, I had physical, you know, I had a lot of physical abuse and stuff too. But I wasn't chained to a bed. I wasn't held in a basement, which does happen. But what I hope people will see with awareness being raised is that that's not. Like so the only way a it looks, percent. it's a small percentage. It's a small, a very small percentage. It does happen, but you can't. If you're if you're looking for that girl in a box or with a barcode on her neck, you're gonna miss the girl that's walking down the street that's from Carlsbad or from Vista or in the same exact situation, but in a mental place versus a physical place.
2: Got you. I think a lot of people feel like this can't happen in my neighborhood or this can't happen to Mm -hmm. people in my family. What would you say to those who maybe want to, like, spot the dangers of young girls being... uh, brought into that game into the industry what are some of the things awareness that they can look for
1: well amongst the youth it's very important to be able to like look outside the box i think Mm -hmm. and like especially people that work with youth directly like in schools and stuff like that um the biggest thing i think is going to be like a shift in not only their physical appearance like girls that are working they look good on the outside but little things like their teeth aren't taken care of Mm -hmm. um they're they're always not feeling good, or maybe they're losing a lot of weight because they're not eating, or they're up right, doing right. drugs, or doing you know stuff like that. Like they're gonna look good, their hair is gonna be for sure done, their nails are gonna be done, their their toes are gonna be done. They're gonna be having a nice bag, um, little changes like that. Like this girl that maybe comes from a poor family, all of a sudden she's got you know a Gucci belt or a, a nice Louis Vuitton purse or something. Like where did she get that from? Um, older boyfriends, quote unquote mm-hmm. boyfriends. That's a big Big red flag, you know, if somebody's always having a check, like, check in with somebody, like, something, just if something's off, like, don't be afraid to, like, speak up on it. Like, you don't have to ask the, the girl, like, oh, are right. you, you know, doing this? Do you have a pimp or whatever? But you can call community resources and let them know like hey something about this isn't right and somebody an outside source can go in and check it out. It's very easy for a trafficker to swoop in and be like, "Well, hey, you're already having sex like you might as well get money for it." People got to wake up. That's really it. People got to wake up and mm-hmm. every single hotel you go by, I guarantee there's at least one girl in there working. It's just it's everywhere. Right. The bus stops, it's at it's at churches, it's at Miracosta, it's at, you know, Cal State, it's at all, it's everywhere, right. and if we're gonna just keep turning a blind eye to it, eventually it's gonna happen to somebody that's close to us, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be too late to wake up. They'll groom you for months and months mm-hmm. and months. Like they'll meet your family, they'll take care of you, they'll get you a car, they'll get your nails done, take you to nice places, and then it will, sh- it will shift.
0: Can you talk a little bit about uh, your process for, for getting out? I know um, um, you mentioned before that you don't have this one specific you know big rescue kind of moment it was a, it was a process for you can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah it was uh definitely a process i think i tried to leave i tried to like push my reset button probably at least that i can think of like 10 times mm-hmm. when i realized that i didn't only have to get away from the traffickers that it was still it was a bigger issue than that at that point you know 6 years later it was me against myself like that's all i felt worthy of doing. That's all that, that's the only option that I saw at that point. So mm. the options go away eventually. And I think that the biggest part that helped me finally get out besides, besides God, like having his hand on me the whole time, like even when I didn't understand that he was there, like he was there. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many times I should have died. I should have been, you know, I tried to kill myself. I tried to overdose, like, and it didn't work. And so support was huge. Like when somebody else from the outside came in and was like, that wasn't a pimp, that wasn't a John, that wasn't another girl trying to get me on her team. Like when someone from the outside came in and was like, you have like a purpose. I didn't understand it at that time, but it resonated later. And so my process was first leaving my traffickers, getting away from that like mental manipulation and realizing that I missed my kids so much. And then still struggling with wanting to go back for financial reasons at that point and when i did try to go back i mean there's nothing else that it could have been except god like he pulled up to to my to the guy's house i was trying to go to and he literally locked my car doors and didn't let me out the car and when i couldn't get out the car i just broke down like it it was just like a wake-up call from that point on i was like i i heard literally like if you go back you're not gonna make it out like Hmm. I didn't bring you this far to for you to regress back. Like you need to use that experience and you need to go help other people. That for me was my turning point, but um, and it was all about growth. And then seeing like that I had a purpose, like seeing that I can offer something to the girls that are still in that life um, that nobody else can because I've been there.
0: So who is this person that 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 told you you had a purpose? The person that w- was not a trafficker, not a John, not another girl. This outside person that that was a, a voice to you in that at that time. Like where did that?
1: You know, I, it sucks that I don't even um, know her name. But I was um, I I was living in Texas um, when I had um, I went to a, a guy's house and it was a bad experience. Um, I was literally like in this rich neighborhood, like on the street, butt naked. And it was like maybe midday, five o'clock, I think. And I was just sitting there just crying, 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 like I didn't know what to do. And this lady was like walking her dog and she came and she brought me like a blanket. And she's like, would you like me to call the police? And I was like, no, like don't call the police. I don't know. It was weird. She like didn't look at me like I felt like she should have been looking at me. She was just like she was just seeing me. You know what I mean? She was like what's up? Like, do you need some water? Like she went to her house. She, she didn't invite me into her house. I think she knew like, I probably would have said no, but she brought me some water. Um, She talked to me about God at that time, but I wasn't trying to like hear that at that point. But um, I heard her and I heard that she, like she saw, she saw me. She's like, I don't know what's going on, but you deserve better. And and that's the only part that I remember the conversation. Mm-hmm. She was like, you deserve better. And that resonated with me. And that's when the very next day I was on a Greyhound back back home and just the whole time, 24-hour ride, it's the longest ride ever. Don't ever ride a Greyhound <laughs> from Texas. Rough. Yeah. Um, the whole ride I was just thinking of ways to, you know, like how, like I just don't want to do this. I didn't know I was praying, but I was praying. I was just like, I just, I don't want to do this no more. Like I can't, like if this is all that you have for me, like can you just make this bus crash or something? You know, like, it was yeah. just, I was just done after that. And I think that was her putting that in my mind, like, to remember, like, I'm still human, you know? Because at that time, at that point, I was dehumanized completely. So gotcha. shout out to her. You're probably not listening to it. Shout but. out to the lady <laughs> It Texas. sounds like a major shout out to her. Shout, yeah, out, to shout to lady, out to the lady in to Texas. To the lady with the dog. I, mean, I don't
0: remember this. <laughs> directly a part of your life changing. Mm-hmm. That's real, man.
2: One thing that I uh, was... Uh, that I just want to touch on really quick was that um 75% of people who are like fall into the sex industry and you mentioned something about this briefly have had some abuse when they were younger mm-hmm. so there seems to be like a correlation between that and people falling into that industry i don't think a lot of people realize that mm-hmm. sometimes that i was amazed to find that out that
1: yeah but i think women is like 89% wow. it's like yeah. even higher Being molested young like i didn't i didn't know that I was molested. Like, I didn't understand that concept. If somebody can sense that about you, and traffickers have this, they're stupid in a lot of ways, but they have some smart, like, they know your vulnerabilities. Right, right. And that's obvious. Like, if a young girl is going out there and she's exuding that, he's going to dive in on that. Like, okay, let me teach you how to capitalize off this. And then he's going to fill her with a sense of empowerment. Like, you're better than everybody else because you're, look at, look at, these girls are doing it for free and you're over here, Making all this money off of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what would you say? Um, what would you say to to someone who's looking or considering um, getting involved into this lifestyle? And also, what would you say to someone who is currently in the lifestyle um, but is in a space where they're they're trying to get out? They want mm-hmm. to get out.
1: Well, you know, to anybody who feels like this lifestyle is glamorized, which it is, um, the media does a great job at that. Um, it's not it, Just as quickly as you can Be on the highest level Platform in the game Trust me that the next day It can be all taken away from you And that's not just for the girls Or the people that are prostituting That's for the other side too Like the traffickers Or the, boy, the young boys out here who are like Oh yeah I'm trying to be like that rap star Or that rap star I'm trying to have this and that It's not like that Like it's not going to be like that. I can probably list about five or six people from San Diego that are sitting in prison cells right now for pimping and pandering on a 17-year-old or a 20-year-old. It really tugs on your soul, and you're either going to be addicted to drugs because you need to cope, you're going to be in jail, or you're going to get killed by either a trafficker or a John.
0: And to those who are in and trying to get out?
1: Man, just... If you're not, you know, if you're not a religious person and or you don't you're not too close with God, like just pray, like remember your value. Like you're not here by accident, you know? Like you're not here to be somebody's doormat. You're not here to to lay on your back and this isn't this isn't the life that was intended for you. Mm. And that's it's not to shame nobody. It's not to mm-hmm. I just want that seed to be planted to know that one day like your true purpose is going to be, you know, revealed. I'm so much happier. I'm more broke than I ever been before, but I'm, but I'm happy, you know, like I'm happy. Like I see my kids and I'm happy. Like God provides for me. A real stat is, you know, the the average woman in prostitution or person in prostitution uh, makes it to seven years. And by that time, they're either not living anymore or strung out on drugs.
0: So you have this uh, this project called Sisters of the Streets. You want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, Sisters of the Streets is a uh, ministry slash nonprofit organization. Biggest focus is on the adult group for women, so 18 and up. We do a lot of street outreach because I'm real big on meeting people where they're at. I feel like it's easy to say, you know, oh, our church is here. You can come and seek help, but... Like you can't tell a drug addict, "Oh, go check yourself in a rehab." Like right, right. you have to meet people where they're at. So we we're big on uh, street outreach. So we do something called the Purse Project, where we have the community donate donations of like hygiene products, condoms, makeup clothing items, stuff like that. And I pack them into nice purses. Sometimes I want to keep the purses because they're like (laughs) Michael Kors and I'm like, ah, but yeah, we take them out to the tracks like El Cajon Boulevard. We take them to San Bernardino, LA, wherever I used to work at. I take them out and I just go and I talk to the girls and give them their stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. So, you know, and just let them know and remind them like somebody out here besides, you know, your pimp is, cares about you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just let them know, like I've been here, like on this block doing the same thing that you're doing. And I know you may be cool with what you're doing now, but eventually when you're not happy with it, you know, call me and I put my card in there and, and it's cool. Have you seen
0: a a good response from that? Have you?
1: Yeah. Like it's getting bigger. Like a lot of people are um, becoming more aware of my organization, which is really cool. But I have a lot of girls that call sometimes not necessarily to get out. They just want someone to talk to. Yeah. But I know that that time will come. There's going to be a time when their pimp be, beats them up or a trick beats them up or whatever, and they're, they're at that point where, like, they don't have anyone. And they're like, oh, I remember that weird girl that was out there on the street. Like, give let me, me call a purse. her. Give me that yeah, me that Yeah, give me that. Right. And uh, it's, a, it's a good response. It's, it's cool to see girls start realizing their worth.
0: Uh, I lo- I, this is the second or third time I've heard um, parts of your story and every time I hear it, I, I love hearing it because I love stories of redemption um, and your story screams that to me um, the same way that that random lady with the dog you don't know her name. sowed that seed for you um, with you talking about this stuff and with your ministry and um, sisters of the streets and all that, like just think of how many women you could be doing the same thing for. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you might be the, the crazy girl with the Michael Kors purse, you know what I'm saying? But you remember that you remember you remember the way this person treated you and so i think that i think that's important i think it goes a long way so that's
1: dope i appreciate it that's what makes it worth it like that's it, it gets like emotionally exhausting sometimes especially when people are unaware and they ask silly things that like right are but irrelevant
0: actually going to that real quick give us a quick <laughs> little tell us the questions not to ask
1: okay, let's not ask, like, how many people you slept with in a day. Like, let's not ask, why are you stupid and why didn't you just leave? You know, like. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Hey, it's real. Uh, Like, don't call a girl, like, a hooker. Don't call a girl anything degrading. Like, don't look at her like you're better than her. Right, right. So, we're good. Well, we got a youth event coming up in January, if anybody's interested to come out to that namas will be performing i'm excited about that
0: shout out to the homie ross may i heard he's rocking too hey
1: hey
0: (laughs) thank you thanks for having me
2: please be the journey please be the journey